thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat, about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And welcome. Today's podcast, well, well, bloody well. (laughs) (laughs) I love her intro. Isn't it? (laughs) Well, this is going to be a fine and fancy little podcast, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because we're talking all about role models. So role models in life, role models in sport, role models across the board. And this is actually kind of cool. Because I'm really keen to see who these girls have got in terms of role models. You know, it's, it's interesting. I've grown up in a life where my role models have really been um, around business. I've got my sister who's my mentor. I've got my dad who's just an incredible entrepreneur. I've got my brother who's a, a real role model for relationshiping. I've got my mum who's a role model for love. <laughs> I like that. Oh, my mum is. She's a role oh. model for love. My mum's a little marshmallow. She's, She's the most beautiful such person. such a marshmallow. Oh, she is. She's an intelligent a, marshmallow. Unbelievably. Um, she's just about to graduate, by the way. Oh, shut up. I know, I know. Can I we know. come to her graduation? Yeah, she's going to wear the little outfit and everything. She's, my mum's at uni and she's oh. 71. She's, do, she's just about to graduate. She's 71. I know. Your mum looks know. like she's in her... Oh, I know. I thought she was in her 50s, which she can't be because you're in your 40s. Well, she was seven when she had me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think 71. She looks yeah. amazing. I know. I, I only live in hope that I have skin like her. Oh, God, her skin is stunning. And you do. My you really, yeah. My mum's got peaches and cream. Yeah, she does. I'm mm. with you. Yeah. Yeah, yep, definitely. You're coffee and cream. I'm coffee and cream. Mm. Mm, right you are, right you are. Or mm. chai. I'm a chai. I think I'm a chai. Mm. You know, chai. So, now, yes, this is, oh, we were talking about role models, actually, and I'm now, all of a sudden, I am hungry, Kim. So, <laughs> I was just saying before that I was hungry before we started the podcast. Which was a big hint for me to get food. Yes, yes, yes. But this is going to be a really interesting podcast, and I'm super keen to see where it takes us mm. in the rabbit hole that we go down on role models. Well, I, it started um, because what happened was that... Um, it's about football. This is where it all started. And, and I was pretty disgusted about Australian football. And the first thing I was pretty disgusted about was this, this scandal that's happening in the AFL, which is Australian Football League. Is that what it is? Yeah, mm-hmm. Australian Football League. And that's Australian rules, can which I, they don't play in America say, or anywhere else like that. Yes. I'm mighty impressed. Oh, for someone who doesn't follow sport and 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 wears a scarf for the first time she comes to an All Blacks game, I'm just I'm a little bit I'm carry on. I, I think so she's done some research. Mm. Well, just going to the games and just listening to what's happening around. So true. You yeah. go to the games. You go to the games. Yeah, I've got a husband that likes to go to the games, so I, on occasion I'm you can't see them, join them. Yeah, exactly. So I go. Yeah, but, right. And this is where it all happened from. But it first started with the AFL. Um, now she's asked to be a coach in the AFL. She knows so much about the game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just say we would not be surprised. (laughs) Well, there's this scandal going on, and they're calling it the supplement scandal. And I I would just like it to be called what it really is, which is a drug scandal. So that was the first thing. And I went, they're not good role models for our kids. And yet our kids idolise these guys that play AFL. So that was the first one. The second one was that... Um, Hang on, was that, the, was, that, was that scandal in the AFL or the NRL? 
No, AFL. AFL. That was the AFL. Essendon were in the big, yeah. in the middle of it all. Because yeah. there was another one, the big scandal through the rugby league. Was there? Yes, there was actually. It's just, it's still going. Hmm. Well, the second thing that happened um, was that I went to the game between South Africa and Australia just recently. Union we're talking now. And Okay, we're talking a different type of football now. But we went, it's, it's Union, is mm-hmm. it? All right, so we went to this game and Australia did a shocking job, absolutely shocking job. They should have won against South Africa. I'm sorry, Karen, but they should have. <laughs> Look, no offence oh, taken. Shame. So we went with another couple who are actually South African and they were flying out to South Africa the next day and they needed to be up at 5am. Now Australia plays, loses. Next week they have to go to Perth. They have to play in a tournament with South America. And our friends get up to go to the um, airport and the Wallabies, the Australian team, are just coming home at 5 o'clock. Pissed as farts, not all of them, but... Was that a good thing to say on a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's fair, and I think it's got to start... You're bringing up a really good point, that these athletes are looked at, looked up to. It's a privilege to get that position in the team. It's an honour to represent your country, and you need to take better care of the privilege. There is no doubting it. Don't they have... um, Isn't it what's called... And I don't don't know, because... My, I don't follow the football at all. Give me the ballet any day, but Matt follows the football, uh, but rugby league, and they have a they have what's called Mad Monday. Yes. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> Which is what? Well, they just can go, let loose. Yeah, they just go nuts. Be this, is, this is where they get into punch ups. There's rape accusations. Yeah. They yeah. just out of the games because there's that much tos- testosterone coursing through their veins. They become uncontrollable. Mm. Well, what happened was that the, the Wallaby team, it's terrible. It's really terrible. The Wallaby team then went to Perth. and just so happens that Howard and I were going to Perth when they were playing. And um, that morning we were boarding a flight back home from Perth and so were the Wallabies. And one of the Wallabies basically was kicked off the plane and out of the airport. Oh, get out. You're with his me. wife. He was with his wife. So the wife obviously wasn't kicked out because he was drunk and disorderly and... And not a good role model. And I, I actually think oh, that no. we need to, when these boys that get these positions. And they are boys. They're, they're young. They're young. But they should have a responsibility and they, and they should realise that these young kids are looking at them. But this is the Australian team. I actually complained to Kim. I rang up and I complained. I right. said, this is ridiculous. This is not good role We've models. both acquired positions within the New Zealand All Blacks and Wallaby teams now as their confidants. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> But it's true, and I remember when you were talking about it, I just thought, you know, this is where the All Blacks, and I can say this because I just feel totally proud of them, but the the, the culture within the All Blacks changed significantly over the last, probably the last decade, last eight to ten years. When you get someone leading from the top who has that that ethic, that that culture, that desire for the team not only to do well but for the players to be remarkable people, that is when you have good leadership. I remember Danny, and some of you may know that my husband played for New Zealand and played for you know international sport for ten years, and 
one of the coaches... And he played cricket. Cricket. Which most Americans, if they're listening, have no idea what cricket no. is. No. <laughs> so I guess it's probably a little bit like baseball, if I was going to give you an analogy. It's a bat and a ball. Bat and a ball. Um, <laughs> very boring for a lot of people, Unbelievably boring. <laughs> However, being married to a cricketer, it's oh. the most extraordinary game. <laughs> Outrageously <laughs> boring. It's like worse than watching the grass grow. <laughs> Paint dry. Oh, it's excruciating. No, you need to be married one to understand that it's. I quite like the game once. Sorry, doesn't matter which way you slice it. When they when they started the one day cricket, and now they've got got a bit excited, and now it's twenty twenty. That gets exciting. Yes, it does. I don't know what drugs you people are on. (laughs) The same one as the NRL. Supplements, thank you. Outrageously um, <laughs> boring. Anyway, Danny, and I won't name these coaches, but, but I remember at one point a new coach came in. One was sacked, an amazing coach. It was such a beautiful period for New Zealand cricket. And this man was a family man. He'd lost his first wife in a car accident. His second wife was part of the whole team. Just a beautiful, beautiful family man. And as a consequence, when we were part of that, and being a partner of an elite athlete is quite an interesting position as well if you take it seriously and you honour what that position means. I don't mean publicly, I just mean as the partner of. And I really felt privileged to be Danny's wife and to watch him play at that level and to see him live his dream. But it was also a very disappointing part of our lives as well with this side of it. So this beautiful coach got the sack I can't remember all the politics, but I'm sure many of you all appreciate there's always politics in anything. This new coach came in. Um, I can't remember who was the first one that came in or whatever, but a coach that came in, ex-New Zealand cricket captain, drank copious amounts of Mm. alcohol. And I'll never forget, and I don't know if I'm speaking out of term here, but I was just really horrified. We had what was called a player's partner's function. And we all went, and it was one of the things that us girls looked forward to every year where the beautiful Bank of New Zealand put it on and they paid for all of us girls to turn up at one event to go to the one-day match and they put on a function, especially for the girls. And very clever thinking on my part because I think if you can get the girls and the families a part of this whole culture, you're actually going to support the whole unit as a family. Anyway, we all went down to Wellington and we went off, and the coach was just drinking and drinking and drinking to the point where everybody was just like, oh, my God, look at him. When the whole... So event, he's not a good role no. model. He's not a good role model for the young no. guys. Was he older? Yeah. He, he was an ex-New Zealand cricket captain. But to me, that's just... It was ludicrous. It's terrible. So we're all watching him. People so, are laughing. Yeah. They're all laughing because he is... The, the bus comes to a complete stop outside the hotel at midnight or whatever time it was when we all came back from this event. And this coach was standing upright with a bottle of wine in each hand and, you know, quite off his trolley. Anyway, the bus comes to a stop and he goes flying forward so fast that his head smashed into the front windscreen. Oh, wow. Split the windscreen. The windscreen cracked and he fell onto the ground. And um, Oh, and of course the wine was saved. Joked and joked and joked. I haven't spilled a drop. Right, and stood up with a piece of glass sticking out the back of his head, and um, yeah, not joking. And I remember it was at that point. I remember walking up with Danny up to our room, and he just looked at me and just went, "This is a joke. I didn't sign up for this." And I felt really sorry for him, and I felt sorry for the team. And I'm sorry if I'm speaking at a term here, but 
you've brought up this point, and I'm thinking, you know what? It starts from the top. Yeah. If you don't have, it's the same thing as parents thinking that you know, don't, don't. What is that stupid saying? People say, "Don't do as I say." No, don't do as I, I do, do. Do as, as I, I say. say. Yeah. It's just BS. Mm. You are their greatest and first and foremost role model, and if you don't take that position of being a parent responsibly and ethically and with care then we have no one else to blame but ourselves. Mm. So I'm with you on this. And mm. I think when I was asked to come and speak, when a beautiful, when the gorgeous Graham Henry, and I know you Cantabrians probably won't feel excited about hearing about Graham Henry, but when he came in as the coach of the All Blacks and he invited me to go down and speak to the partners, I got to see what the culture was that they were building. And it was very family orientated from what I could see from the outside looking in. Beautiful. Um, honoured the fact that the wives and girlfriends had a part to play, but also teaching the wives and partners that they also had a role when they couldn't play or couldn't be there, which I totally respected. You know, they don't need wives and girlfriends turning up. And Graham's still with the All Blacks. No, he's just oh. he finished after the last World Cup that we won. Um, <laughs> no, no, did she say that? <laughs> no, no, she said it about the All Blacks. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but I look at the All Blacks now, they are a sharp, they are. A sharp unit and they are very careful about pulling in any player that goes out of line. I remember Graham saying to me at one point, he'd rather a player with less talent but more human Mm. um, ability than taking on a person with lots of talent and no understanding of the role that he's Mm. taking on. And Mm. I think, you know, for young people looking up at these and, you know, the netball, there's no difference with the women cricketers, but they just don't seem to get the spotlight or the... They don't get as much airtime as these guys get. So with that airtime, they have to appreciate there is a role and a responsibility. Yeah, I agree. And and what I love are the sportsmen that are actually doing that, but they're few and far between. So um, was it Djokovic? Yeah. Djokovic just um, put out a book, the tennis player. You know, he's gone from four to one. And basically he, he said that, he doesn't even have a chocolate bar after he's finished a major match. He is so strict with his eating, with his lifestyle, with everything. And people were bagging him. You know, Gwyneth Paltrow, she does the same thing. Gwyneth Paltrow puts out a cookbook, yeah. um, does a beautiful job, shows what she does, and people start to criticise her for her, her change in lifestyle, you know, and what she's done. So I, um, you know, that another, just speaking of Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah. there was a quote on Facebook. I took the photo and I posted every now and again. There's a picture of her and she's smiling and she's just gorgeous. And she's she got that really beautiful is. physique and yeah. pretty and just everything going for her. But naturally, you know, natural mm-hmm. and beautiful. Yeah. She wrote on there. Um, oh, I well, remember this. You think I have oh. a body like this that can I can wear a bikini at 38 years of age because of luck and genetics? B.S. <laughs> she goes, I train five days a week. I'm very conscious of what I put into my body. I don't smoke. I hardly, I don't even know if she said I don't drink or I hardly drink, but I watch everything that goes into and onto my body. I've earned this body. Yeah. And I thought, you know, we sit here looking mm. at these models and these things and we all think it's so easy for them. You've got no idea what they do to mm. be in that position. Mm. And the ones that I really admire are these ones that yeah. really take a natural, holistic, responsible approach to their role in the public. Mm. Miranda Kerr is another one. Yeah. You know, yeah. Miranda yeah. is very outspoken mm. about, you know, breastfeeding or natural 
um, birth and, you know, she eats well and she looks after herself. So, look, I think these are the role models that I would like to see more in the public eye, but they're not. They're just not in the public eye. Another one well, is... Well, they don't cause scandal and they don't sell me. Yeah, this is true. the thing. This true. is the thing. Yeah. I was in an article just on the weekend. In Beautiful the... it was too. Oh, did you think? Mm. I think they photoshopped the hell Wait, out of my which face. Which one? I didn't see it. Um, I, it was a Sunday mail. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But the thing that was really quite interesting, which oh. I think is, is, is really amazing about that, is that because we've got the anniversary mm. of the bombing coming up shortly, mm. and I always get asked to do articles, always get asked to do articles, and I always say to them now, you know, I'm happy to do the article, provided the article is more inspirational, and that the article is about what is possible for people rather than the article just being about my story. Mm. And, of course, this article is just about my story. Mm. There's, you know, three mm. or four paragraphs on uh, on the inspirational part of it, which was beautifully written, and I have to say the reporter did an amazing job, and he was a, he was a spectacular man, one of the nicest I've worked with. Um, Kim's just brought it up on her iPad. Mm, um, so beautiful. But um, I think that's, that's, that's the interesting part is that, the um, the media wants to know about you know like if it's not if you're not a freak if you're not fat if it's not about finances and if it's not about fear driven stuff it doesn't go into the media. Mm-hmm. So I think that we we love the scandal because we're quite voyeuristic creatures. So therefore we are buying into it and supporting the whole scandalous yeah, thing because totally. if we weren't buying the magazines and the newspapers there'd be nothing to sell. So therefore we actually have to take a greater responsibility as a community. Well, this is the question that I would pose on it all because for a lot of people that we do look up to or that our kids do look up to as role models, um, the very nature of publicity is... It, it's kind of flawed, really, because the nature of publicity is that you do stuff to get attention. And when you want to try and get publicity, unless you're controversial or unless there's something that you're fighting against or unless there's something that's that's got an element of fight to it or or, or scandal controversy to it. even yeah. yeah if you're just wanting to you know and for uh, and I've this has just been my own personal experience but when I've wanted to get articles in magazines and in newspapers that are more inspirational that are driven towards helping humanity can't get a look in the minute it's about my story about being blown up or suicidal or having suffered depression man I can't fight the de- I can't fight the reporters off it's amazing, well, isn't it? And you know the same so, thing as if I want to talk about nutrition and health, if I if I just that's what I want to talk about, nobody's interested. Like I wrote yeah. um, some press releases the other like a couple of weeks ago on fish oil and the, and the sustainability of fish oil and the the unethics. You know, it's not an ethical, it's not sustainable. And I sent it out to the media. Not one person picked it up. But if I send out that I'm um, the, you know I'm from the largest hemophiliac family in the world and that I lost my mother and my sister and my grandmother and my girlfriend and my mother-in-law in a year, and that um, I lost um, nine family members to AIDS, they want to know about it. Oh, yeah. You are so right. Absolutely. You are so right. So for our role models, <sighs> I think this is where it's got to... St- I mean, I think everything starts in the home mm. and everything yeah, comes back to the individual because our role models and the kids that are, the kids that are playing sport now... They don't get educated. Let's face it. They leave school and they get in and play football. And that's what they're passionate about. They're passionate about playing football. They don't learn about how to manage their own 
emotions. Well, they don't. And they also don't learn that they're now a business and that they are a commodity. They don't learn about that. Nobody takes them to business school before they go into playing football or going and being an Olympian. Nobody teaches them about business. So they don't get that they're a commodity that the community is going to be buying. That's Mm. right. They don't get that they're a brand. So therefore, they're completely oblivious to it, and most of them are eighteen and nineteen, and they're in the you know the prime of their life in terms of getting out and getting amongst it all. The only difference is these guys have got six hundred thousand dollars sitting in their bank account because they've been paid the world to do what they do, and it's and time throw, to have a fat time. Well, and throw ego into that, and throw the fact that everyone's telling you how amazing you are, and, and people testosterone, are, and people are throwing money at you left, right, and centre. When Danny was playing, we would walk into a restaurant and we'd have our meal picked up. We would have people give them a sponsored car. We had our phones paid for. We had our house built for us at cost. We had... It was such a treat. Look, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. Um, <laughs> tart, yes. But I remember saying to Danny, or we were both... It's an interesting thing, actually. We were in Antigua. We somehow ended up with the manager's suite. Didn't complain. Um, but the two of us always, and Danny's favourite line was, breathe it in because it's subject to change. Yeah, yeah. Breathe it in, it's subject to change. And so, therefore, every time we went somewhere amazing with cricket or we met some beautiful, or had a, every time we had a meal pay for, every time, and I know this might sound a bit silly, but it was around the time when wives and girlfriends were just allowed to start sitting even in the, in the same, in the members area. We were invited to sit, which was always just a men's area and things like that. So... For me, every time, or we had lunches put on for us, which was such a treat, every time I finished or we finished the game, I would send a thank you card or a note to the head of the Cricket Association thanking them about how much it meant to me as a wife to know I didn't have to leave the ground, that I could eat food that was beautiful, that I could sit with a view like you wouldn't believe, that I could whistle every time Danny took a wicket. and It was just the most beautiful thing. And the amount of times people have said to me, they really appreciated that. I just thought well, it was such a, pre- a, a treat and a privilege for me. Mm-hmm. But you said an interesting comment before. Um, you know, it comes back I to do the that. home. Yeah. I do do that. <laughs> it comes back I'll to the home. I'll throw out an interesting comment every now and then. <laughs> Occasionally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you cheeky. Um, I just had a funny little story, but I had a client years ago when I was treating, and, and she was just gorgeous. Her husband was a top banker. And this was back in New Zealand, and they had a little four-year-old boy called Michael. If you're listening, I hope you don't mind me telling the story. But um, Michael had got into a habit. Now, I don't know whether he'd learnt the swear words at home or at least within his family or community, but he started just dropping the F word every now and again Mm. and just completely would sideswipe the mother. Anyway, she's sitting there, and she said to me, you're not going to believe what happened last (laughs) night. So here's a little four-year-old. So her husband had a top banker. He was a banker. Top bankers out from Hong Kong and China were visiting, and they wanted a home-cooked meal. So they decided to put this meal on for his six guests, and they wanted to meet the family and, and all this. And so Michael was there, and the mother goes, now, Michael, you are not you are to be on your best behavior you are not to say anything that remotely resembles a swear word, and you are especially not to drop the F word. Do you understand? Oh, jeez. She's well, just basically she's just, just do it. Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> well, Michael goes, yes, mummy. So they're sitting I there. I will do yes, that. Yes, mummy. They're sitting at the table, the six guests, mum, dad, Michael, and they're all having it. 
everything's going well. He's the glowing child. He's just, and they have the best role models to this child because everyone's just so beautiful. <laughs> well, dessert oh, comes no. and Michael's ice cream gets spilt and flops onto the table and he goes, oh, shit. Well, am I allowed to say that? Well, well I did. Wow, well, you did. Well, well it's too well, late now. Sorry. Oh, yes. And it doesn't have the same impact, really, does it? No. And the mother turns around and says, Michael, you can't say that. And he goes, what? I didn't say if. Right? Oh, and actually said the word. Oh, my God. So I'm just sitting here. And when you were saying that it starts in the home, it just brought up that story, which is funny. And it's quirky and it's cute. But I go, you know what? It's at that level in the home that if we want our children to react, and I think it comes down to emotional management. Mm. I really do. And I think, like you say, we teach them how to eat their food, how to have manners at the table. We teach them how to dress. We teach them that it's time to have a bath. We teach them all these things. But when they have a meltdown, or let's say they have a tantrum, or they throw themselves onto the floor... One of the things that we do as parents is we're taught, we tell them off. Don't do that. You can't behave like this. This is inappropriate. You know, one day I was saying, I feel embarrassed to even share this story. I'm horrified that I did it, but I'm hoping that I'm not the only mother that's so bad. <laughs> Trust me, chances are by the time you finish the story, I'm going to finish with bad mother. <laughs> Come <laughs> on, tell the story. Ready, Dams. I'm so I'm ready. ready. I'm, I'm hanging out. So what have you ready. done? Taylor and Jacob were preschool, so they were four and five. Oh, sorry, three and four. And they're now 14, 15. Yeah, three so and just four. So they know. So I'm, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm full on. We've just finished building a house that has cost us three times what we thought it was going to cost. We're in massive stress. Danny's gone overseas. And we're sitting there, and I'm trying to get the kids out of the car, and Jacob's decided, my little powerful son, has decided he doesn't want to get in the car. So he starts being a fiend, and I'm trying to get them in the car and get organised, and Taylor's said, Jacob, get in the car! And he's turned around and bitten her. (gasps) So she screamed at the top of her lungs and whacked him. So now, and I've got them in the car, and this is going on, and I see this Sounds like a normal family to me. Yeah, Uh up until this point. It, has, it just pushed my buttons on all levels. And I turned around to Jacob and went smacking him. How many times have I told you you do not smack and bite when you're angry? <laughs> oh, you <laughs> oh, bad mother. Bad mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the irony of it the all. The irony oh, of it. Oh, for goodness sake. Bad as mother. I'm, bad as mother. I'm whacking my son. Oh, oh you no. Know, I still can't, I can't believe I've shared the story. But no, I'm sure I can't believe no you other mother. No, but no, no, oh that, no, most mothers would get to the point of, of just out But it was the words. I don't know how you don't. Yeah. I've just, you know, I really. She's just had a weekend with kids, toddlers, and that Karen hers. doesn't have children. I don't have children, and there was like six in my house. I don't know how you people do it. Just saying, <laughs> I, I take my hat off to you. I take my hat, my shirt, my pants, my shoes. I take a lot off to you people. What about your jewels? No, I don't take off my jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I did take off my shoes, didn't I? So I would take off my shoes. And you know what? Being a role model, <laughs> yeah, no, I was waiting for that. Being a, being a role model as a mother yeah. is tough, is really tough. Oh. And we are not, you know, we're all prepared for the birth. You know, you go through birthing school, you go through all of this stuff. You never, ever 
prepared for what happens next. Yeah. And that what happens next is probably more important than anything. For, than anything. And you're not taught about parenting. You're not taught about how to deal with a child that has just bitten the sister and no. whacked or whacked or. Mm. You know, I look back now, you know, I, my babies are all grown and all adults and I look back now and I just think, I wish I knew what I know now back then and I think I would have been a better role model. I was the best I could have been but I, I think if only I'd been told these stuff. So I actually role modelled what my parents role modelled. And that's all that you can do. Yeah, and I did... A really like my parents in my way of thinking were fabulous role models. You know, mm. my dad was an amazing role model, my mum was an amazing role model, and so I basically modelled myself on my parents. So for the most part, they, these kids, you know, got the best that they could. But there were times I did exactly the same as you. You, just, you lose your cool. You yeah. lose your cool, and I, I remember throering my son. Not out of the window, oh. <laughs> on oh, his oh, bed. Oh. No, on his bed, and saying. Do not move. Just, like, not placing him, but just going, throw. I just threw him on the bed, shut the door, and tried to calm down. You know, because you just, you're beside yourself. You don't know what to do because you haven't been given the skills. So what does that teach them? It is really tough. It's really tough. And so as you, as they get older, life gets easier, doesn't it, Kim? Mm. You know, Kim's now got teenagers. Well, here's the, here, well, here's the thing psychologically. Sorry, my love. No. I've like, psychologically scarred my son. Well, I just wanted to say for throwing that, me yes. on the bed. I, I just wanted to tell you that so mm. that you knew. No, I'm kidding. And you for spanking? <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But by the time kids get to the age of 10 to 14, they start looking for role models mm. because they've already got their learning done from their parents. They've figured out how you be in relationships. They've, they've figured out how you actually relate to each other. They've figured out what affection looks like. They've figured out what love looks like. They've got it. Now from the age from 10 to 14, they're now they're looking for how do I relate in the world outside of my family? So they're looking for role models outside mm. of their family. And I think that's what your point was earlier, Cindy, is that our kids at that age bracket they're looking and seeing, well, our sports guys. Um, it's our sports guys that, our footballers yeah, and yeah. Olympians and so on, it's, they're the or, ones who are um, looking at it. Or musicians, models. pop stars. Yes, true. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. actors people and who models. are attractive. Yeah. Yep. People who are attractive. I, th- I, think, I think, you know, this, it, and it's hard because, I, you know, not being a parent, it's very difficult for me to comment. So, you know, please forgive me if my ignorance is kind of um, pervading the truth here, but... It's, it's kind of, like, as for a parent, it would be really tough because in the time that a kid is looking for a role model, and it's kind of the most important time because they're really making sense of the world and understanding what's what and who's who, your job's already done by then. Mm. Mm. But So then now they're looking outside of the family home, but that's really the time where they should be looking to the parent because that's when they can start to understand stuff we, better, hey? and then we can too you know as parents we have gotten, yeah we're a little bit more practice you know there's three or four that have come along and yeah and you're, you're starting to figure it out we were talking about this though the other day remember about um you know it, it doesn't matter if, if they've learnt it at a young age mm. and they start acting it out or if if sometimes you'll hear it back at you as a mm. parent things that you didn't want to hear back but they'll say it the way you say it and mm. you think oh my gosh is that how I sound I'll never, I'll never wow. forget my mum saying one day she overheard us three children playing and talking and then one of us probably me told the other two off and told them off exactly the way she would and she said it actually hit her she actually mm. went into a room and sobbed oh, because wow. she said it hit her that everything she had been and what she was doing was actually initiating and creating 
behaviour in the home that they modelled. And it, what what she cried about wasn't the fact that I'd modelled that, but it was the fact that, oh, my gosh, That's what the responsibility. Mm-hmm. Oh, the responsibility really yeah. hurt her about what that means. And I'll never – you know, and the other thing we were talking about, Cindy, was – Often the ones we love the most are the ones we let our guard down the most and misbehave the most as parents. We think we can get away with it or we'll tell our children or, I mean, I don't, but, you know, you've heard children be told to shut up and pee off and, mm. and you know, just the way when I watch some people discipline their children at supermarkets or when we're out, I just think, my gosh, if that's what you like in public, what on earth are you like at home? So I've always said to Danny, we have to be at home and imagine that we are big brother. Everyone's watching us. Is that how we'd behave if we knew the world was watching us? Absolutely not. Mm. So therefore, why would we not take that responsibility on and imagine that people are watching? I always dream and imagine that the angels are watching us. My grandmother's looking down on me and I think, would she be happy with the way I just said that? Probably not. I need to say sorry or I need to regroup here. I always try and picture who I would be if I knew someone was watching me that I cared about or was a role model to me. Mm. How would I want to behave? And I'll never forget thinking most important thing for me when Danny and I went through a really tough patch in our marriage nearly four years ago to the point where the marriage was could have been over and I think I've shared that in another mm-hmm. podcast but the one aha I got sitting there with our counsellor and I said to her I think I've ruined my kids lives the way I have sobbed and slammed doors and tried so hard to hide it from them but I couldn't and I didn't and sometimes I couldn't even pick myself up off the floor and she said, my darling, my darling. <laughs> she's French. She's 86. And she goes, my darling, here is a wonderful opportunity to show your children and be the role model mm. on how to get out of difficult times or how to transition through tough times or how to be in tough times. Man, that gave me an uppercut. It really jolted me out of the pity party mm. and into... Well, I don't want my kids to feel like they can't survive or that they'd turn to drugs and alcohol. Not that I did that, but that's what kids do Mm. if they don't know what else to do to numb the pain. So how would I want to show them that life is tough sometimes? And, and we don't show we, do it. we don't show our kids those sorts of things, do we? Because well, we, we don't we want them to protect to go, them. Yeah, we, yeah, we do. But we let them see us do drugs and alcohol because you brought that up, Kim. Mm. You know, um, a, a lot of people are drinking in front of their children all the time, oh, getting yeah. drunk in front of their children, and you wonder why we have um, a society that has such a horrible alcohol culture. Like, I'm in line the other day listening to these two young girls, um, and I'm in line to vote. That's right, they're voting too. And it's 9 o'clock in the morning, and I'm listening to these two girls talking about how much they drank the night before and how much they started drinking this morning. And I'm like going, you're telling everybody in this line, because I was speaking loudly, Mm. that you're... In my way of thinking that you're just, you're, you're not a role model to me mm. or to anybody in my way of thinking. You, you just, you're just copying somebody else's modelling and it's time to, to wake up to yourself and not do it anymore. It's a path of self-destruction. Mm. And then but you, they don't know it. No, they don't. They don't. And, then, and then there's mothers that may be taking drugs, you know. They might be popping Panadol every minute of the day and saying, oh, that feels better, or having a glass of wine and going, oh, that feels better. So the children learn that it's alcohol and drugs that make them feel good, mm. that a little white pill will make them feel good rather than something within themselves that is able to, you know, get up 
from um, the worst state they can possibly be in and still live another day, which is what you did, Kim. You know, you didn't do drugs and alcohol. You know, you were down for a while. But then you showed them the strength um, that, that is possible from within. We're always looking on the outside. You know, everybody seems to look for the on the outside for their strength. They want, um, you know, they need a glass of wine, they need a, a whatever, any alcohol, they need drugs to give them strength. They need something else on the yeah, outside. Overeat or they yeah, they eat the they wrong food or, or you know, addictions that we were talking about. I was just going to say, remember I posted something on Facebook about depression. I was just, I was just talking about my own experience, mm-hmm. not saying, you know, that this is the truth. I just said this is my experience. That depression has to be recreated for mild to moderate cases of, of depression. You've got to recreate that with your thought processes. And I'm reading Superbrain, and it's all in there, you know. Mm. So, um, but the barrage or the backlash that came from that was where a lot of people really needed to defend that depression was not something that they were choosing, that depression was something that they were powerless against, that depression was something that was outside and then it came inside and wrecked everything for them, you know, mm. where renders the person powerless. And I think that. As a society, we definitely do that. We don't teach our kids that all their answers lie inside mm-hmm. because we our answers don't lie inside for us because we're looking outside. I mean, you know, unless, you know, other than the people listening to this podcast and us and, you know, this growing movement and this groundswell that's taking place, but I think for the majority of humans, especially in the past and, you know, even some now, we do look outside of ourselves. We look out there instead of in here for reasons as to what we can do to make our lives more powerful, what we can do to make our lives more acceptable, how we can handle the tough times in life. Because Kim's dead right. Life sucks sometimes. Mm. Life really does suck sometimes. And unless we learn the skills to cope, we're constantly looking in the wine glass. Sorry, that was my... That was her wine glass. That was my wine glass. <laughs> Chased it on the wine glass. <laughs> you know, but it's so not true. only we're looking for an answer, we're also blaming outside True. so we not only take responsibility for where we are in this life right now but then we also look outside for help so mm. for me i i really uh, um, was taught to look inside that was what my parents taught me was to always look inside you are responsible and in this litig- litigious mm, yeah. yeah litigious society where we blame everybody yeah. you know like we can sue the council because we tripped over the concrete that came up a little bit because of a yeah. root tree you know it's like i look at these these people that are suing everybody for and they're not taking responsibility so we actually live in a community and a society that supports it that supports it mm. but i know south africa isn't like that that's what oh, I've heard. Goodness, South yeah. African Zimbabwe, you take total responsibility for anything that happens absolutely. to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, I mean, it's the way that they're set up there. I mean, you know, uh, with the way that the government has been and the apartheid and all of that mm. sort of thing, it's every man for themselves, really, there. Which has its problems on its own. It does. I mean, it, you know, it does. It, it has its own issues. But I think that there's, culturally, I think we've got a lot to learn. I think we've got a lot to learn in terms of, what we look for outside of ourselves, and it starts from the time that we're young. Mm. You know, last week um, we talked about uh, mutant messages down under under in the Aboriginal culture, Um, and one of the things that happens in the book is that uh, a leg is broken, 
And it's really interesting because when he's healed, he actually says to Marlo, who's the white woman that's in Messages Down Under, he actually says to Marlo, we ask the universe to do something to allow you to experience this healing experience that, you will, that you've just got. And we didn't know who it was going to be and we didn't know what was going to happen, but we did ask that you would see our culture and how we heal. And he took total responsibility. He said, I was chosen. You know, and and so they are all about taking responsibility as well. There are cultures out there that take total responsibility. And I I think as role models, we need to teach not only total responsibility, but things are from within. So if you teach your children that it's not a white pill that's going to make them feel well well, or good or glass of wine that's going to make them feel good, then you can... You, you can only think that what's going to happen is that they're going to look within when they're in times of trouble. And there will be times of trouble. Mm. And I know I look at my, my kids, you know, they've never had any medications. They've never had an antibiotic, Panadol, and aspirin, and neither have I. And that's how I was brought up by my dad. And I know when they're in times of trouble, they'll, they'll often ring me and they'll ask me questions because I might be able to help them get within mm. to give them that. And so, you know, it gives me, you know, chest, chest puffs up and I'm very <laughs> proud that they, they actually ring me for questions, mm. uh, answers to their questions, but I actually throw the questions back to them. Yeah. Mm. Or I give them uh, maybe three different things that they can do. Mm. I don't say, well, this is what I think you should do, darling. I actually go, well, you have three choices here and these are the three choices. It's up to you whether you take responsibility for what's happened in your life and make changes in your life or whether you want to blame and and then just go take, you know, the the easiest solution. You know, I will say one thing around this with role modelling. As a parent in particular, you can be a person who doesn't drink, maybe doesn't take the, the, the tablets or uses food as a drug or anything like that and you can feel like you're doing your absolute best which is all that we can ask of ourselves the one thing I will say because there'll be some parents out there feeling like where did they go wrong when their children have actually made other choices that perhaps haven't even been role model to them but they've seen through media or they've seen on pop shows or I don't know there's just such a culture around video video games so I or another thing, role model that they've chosen. Uh, well, exactly. Yeah, and, and especially at 10, you said, is, mm. is that what you said, Karen? Yeah, 10, 10 they start 14, to choose. They start to look for role models. So, how, you know, they, and it might be a peer. But that the, thing, done that the thing that I was told, again by Jacqueline, is your children are not your children. Mm. They're not your children. They're not yours to own. You are a vehicle, a vessel, an opportunity for that soul to, you know, to be on this planet for their journey, their mm. lessons, their life. It just so happens to be that they chose you or you've chosen them and there's a beautiful dance that you can take together. And that might be a bit rabbit holeish, but it helps me to understand when my children do things that perhaps I wouldn't do or they say things that I wouldn't want to say or they remind me that I actually did say those things at that age to my mother. Um, <laughs> that I wasn't the, the goody two-shoes that I think I was. Um, but I, I just want to say that because Jacqueline really gave me, it's not that you're letting yourself off the hook, but I think it's that you're allowing yourself just to be the best that you can yes. be mm-hmm. and know that they have their life lessons and their journey and their truths to uncover and unravel and to experience. So in those, that's why I love what you just said then, that, you know, I don't tell them, oh, you shouldn't have done that and you should mm. be doing this. It's, well, how did you feel when you made that choice? 
how could you make a better choice next time? What would you do? And the, and the greatest thing I've learned is to have these conversations when there is nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. that's the best time to have these conversations over the dinner table or when someone at their school has made a choice. My, that's that's such a gift. Yes, that is a you gift. You know, when you yeah. can sit there and have the opportunity to discuss those issues mm. before it's become an issue in your family. Um, and I guess I, I'll never forget Danny's mum saying to me, and as I said to you before, Danny's Danny was a, a celebrity, for want of a better word, in New Zealand. He was well known, and um, and she said publicly, she's written it in stories that were written about him. Absolutely adore my son, but there were times in his teenage years where I did not like his behaviour at all very much. <laughs> and I think maybe that's part of the process of what you were talking about before, between ten and fourteen, and maybe even you know people go oh, the dreaded teenage years, but. Mm. That's also a time, am I right, in when they're trying to disconnect from who they are, as in their family, and they're trying to become who they want to be. They Mm. don't want to be their father or their mother or their sister or their brother. Yeah, true. So therefore they're going to perhaps do actions or... Well, they're pushing the boundaries there. They're trying to see how far they can go. They're trying to see what I've I've learned from you, Mum, and what I've learned from you, Dad... How does this now work? How does this integrate into society? How does this work when I do that? How far can I go with it? You know, because they're relatively protected up until that time, aren't they? Mm. You know, and and talking about um, your mother-in-law, Sandy, and my father... I love the way they look at life. Mm. They are, they're like they're. My dad's eighty-five, and Sandy's what? Not sure she'd want me to disclose. Okay, that. no, we won't disclose her age. We won't she disclose is. her age. 20 years older than Danny. He's 47, so... so 67. So she's, she's heading towards 70. Yeah. And they've both had loss in their life. And both of them, which it always resonates with me when I hear this. My father always says, I was the luckiest man. I had your mother for 50 years. He doesn't talk about the seven years she's been gone. Yeah. He only talks about the 50 years he was with her. Mm. And Sandy's the same mm. about her daughter. Mm. You know, she had her for 36 years and she praises every year of that 36 years. How lucky was I mm. to have 36 years? So listening to my dad and Sandy, they're great role models. Mm. We, we focus on how much we, we miss them rather than on how much time we had with them if we, if we do have a loved one. And the other thing that... Um, I want to talk about in role models is your daughter. My daughter. Your daughter. Uh oh. Well, remember when Taylor um, said to you about food? How she said that children. Do you want, do you remember that? Which one? When um, children are allowed to make some steaks with food, but when oh, she yeah, sees yeah, adults, yeah, yeah, tell yeah. that story. I just think because she's thinking, you know, she's 15. Well, she is. She stayed at some friends of a friend's, you know, after a dance thing and. And she just couldn't believe what they ate. And she couldn't believe what they put in their supermarket trolley. And she couldn't believe. And she's like, you know, Mum, occasionally we're allowed to eat bad foods and we're allowed to have, you know, things with wheat in it and things with sugar in it. And that's, that's a child's prerogative, she said. <laughs> but when I see adults doing it, it really disappoints me. She said, because, <laughs> you know, yes. they should know better. Yes. Um, and they should. Yes. And, and the other thing she said the other day, I think I said to you, she said, Mum... I need some, her word was ammunition, I need some Mm. ammunition, I need to understand what to say when people are telling me I should take a Panadol. She had a really sore back at dancing, or a headache, she had a really bad headache, and it was quite a blinding headache, she doesn't get them very often, but she knew she hadn't had enough water and she hadn't had enough sleep, so she kind of knew what the cause was, but she didn't want to stop dancing. But at one point she got a bit dizzy with it and someone said, oh I've got some, one of her fellow dancers said, I've got some Panadol, do you want one of those? She goes, no, no, I'm okay. 
And then a little bit later, she was still a bit off colour, and someone else said to her, well, why don't you take a Nurofen? And she went, no. And then she goes, Mum, they were all like, what is your problem that you won't take a Nurofen or a Panadol? I mean, why suffer in all that pain? You can just take a tablet and it'll stop the pain. Fair call, yeah. I guess, if that's your outlook on medicine and, and holistic health or health. And she said, Mum, I just, I just need some confirmation around why I'm doing it and why I felt good about it. And I said, well, what did you say? And she said, well... I just told them that I know that my body can do the job and I just know I need more water and more sleep. So once I get home, I'll fix it. And I went, well, that sounds like a pretty good answer to me. That was pretty amazing, you know. Yeah. So, But you're right, she's thinking, yeah, constantly she thinking all the time. Whereas my son, he yeah. likes to say, I had a Coke today. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he, and, and, but he actually doesn't. That's the funny thing. He says he's had a coat, but he doesn't. And then I'll go, did you really? Because I try not. That's the other thing I'd say as parents as role models. Don't react. You know, be proactive. Don't react. Mm. Be reactive. Um, but I'd go, oh, really? How did it make you feel? That's my first question I'll always say. How did that make you feel? How's that working out for you? Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, he, they're both aware. But I think mm. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect parents by any means of the word. But, but what we want to bring up are, are role models. And, and look, Taylor was the only one that didn't take a Nurofen or had Nurofen in her bag or had a Panadol in her bag. And I just would love to see that they become mm. um, people who are role models for their friends. And, and I look back, you know, when I had babies and then, and you know, I, I was someone who did things very differently with my babies. And I do believe I became a bit of a role model for mothers uh, and not writing, I wasn't writing, I wasn't in the public eye, I was just, it was the mother's group I was with and they would ask me questions all the time. And we we need people like this to be our role models that are doing things differently that is actually working instead of following what everybody else is doing in an alcohol-fueled um, country, in a drug-fueled country, in an angry country and no responsibility. And we need to have role models that are able to do that. Mm. And so what we we try to do is teach our children and now you know i've got young adult children who can be wonderful role models for other young adult children we don't have enough of them Mm. because everybody's doing the same thing getting the same result and wondering um, why and wondering why but you know i i speak at the year six leadership team so how old are year sixes They'd be 11. 11. So they're all the leaders within these 10 schools here on the Sunshine Coast. And I do a talk on leadership. And I say to them, do you realize the whole school is looking up to you? Mm -hmm. They're watching everything you say, everything you do. So our 11-year-olds are role models. Our 8-year-olds are role models to everything around them. We are role models. We are all role models. And and I have a line in my book is, you know, we need to be role models, not supermodels. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. there's a real thing around role modelling what you want to see in the world. It's It actually comes back mm. to who you want to be, and it comes back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast. It's in the home. Mm. I found it really interesting, is it, you know, trying to find a role model in the sports and the models. You know, we, we, we've got Miranda Kerr, we've got um, Gwyneth Paltrow. In tennis, we've got Djokovic, and in surfing, we've got Kelly Slater. Richie McCaw can oh, okay. come and park Richie his McCaw. shoes under my bed. What about Dan Carter? Carter? Dan Carter? <laughs> Dan Carter's Dan a beautiful Carter. role model. But there's not, there's not a lot out there when you have a look, mm. it, when you really have a look at it. And I, and I just hope that there's going to be more and more people that start to become uh, role models and our young people start to look at them. I'm hoping people are looking at Kelly Slater at the moment because, 
you know, as a surfer and surfing is seen as alcohol and drugs and partying and hippies and yeah, yeah. way out and all that. Well, you know, Kelly's out there trying to save Hawaii and, and stop Monsanto coming in and create an organic area out there. So, you know, I look at that and, and I look at Djokovic, but there's not many of them. This mm-hmm. is what's so... Maybe, though, you know, maybe there's a... I don't know, and, I, and again, I don't have kids. This is just something that I've seen as, as more of a perception. But the younger kids, like my nephews, the younger kids that are coming through, they're far less concerned about politics and far less concerned about business and money-making ventures than what we were, or I was, and more concerned about uh, relationship and connectedness, they're more sensitive. Oh, really? Well, it's certainly oh, been the case with the, with, with, you know, and my nephews are what, they're 13 and 8. Uh, oh, God, no, I've, one of them had a birthday yesterday. But they're, you know, they're, they're in their teens. And the kids that, you know, were at my place on the weekend, they're far more, you know, they're holding the bugs all the time and they're far more connected to nature. And, mm, that's good. And mm. the beautiful things rather than worrying about how they look. And rather than worrying about how they sound and rather rather than worrying about fitting in, they're more concerned about more holistic stuff. And I don't remember ever being like that. I don't remember ever being like that. For me, it was always about perfumes and little fluffy shoes with little pom-poms on them and perfumes and (laughs) makeup and Avon and, you know, and, and... because it was just the family I grew up in, which was always about prettiness with my mum and doing my nails and having lovely fingernails and spending... That was the quality time with my mum. We'd sit and do our nails together. <laughs> and then when I was spending quality time with my dad, we'd go through the stuff that he did in the factory and, you know, I'd hold, I'd sharpen his chisels for him and, you know, we'd make stuff. And that was always really the quality time. So when I grew up, it was about making stuff and it was always about, you know, what I knew and what I'd mm. learned as opposed mm. to lizards and um you know plant life and veggie patches and things like that whereas i think there's certainly there's a there's a bit of a groundswell with the younger kids that they're more connected and more sensitive i i don't know i certainly hope that that's what i see in my family and maybe that's a part of the groundswell with us as parents wanting that again Mm. wanting that for our children because the technology thing has come in so big now that a lot of people are fighting or feeling like it's killing Mm. all of that that that, that relationship things changing and that we don't have that connectedness that we used to whereas I look at the whole technology thing of we've got to learn to embrace it a little Mm. bit more um, because it is here to stay it's not going anywhere so for me from a technology point of view with the kids it's you know, there's certain things that just don't work in our family, and that's things like COD and PlayStation games and hideous, violent things. And we've just gone through a massive withdrawal with my son taking it out of the house. I couldn't, I couldn't stand seeing what it was doing to him, let alone his behaviour in the home on that. So, I know he didn't like me very much for a while there, but I just had to make that call. And, you know, dinner at the table, for me, the rituals around talking. I mean, we've got a little game here that's called Conversation Starter. Not that any of us ever need a, an excuse to start a conversation. <laughs> How does that work out? Yeah. <laughs> um, but what it does is makes you think about something we may not think about. Yeah. So the conversation might be, you know, it starts off, what was the greatest thing that happened to you today? Now, you might not necessarily ask that at the table, but these little cards are a cute little thing mm. to do that someone draws a card at the table and we all start talking about it. And... I think those sorts of rituals, those bringing it back, those 
talking about the people that perhaps aren't great role models, perhaps aren't from politicians through to actors, oh, through yeah. to musicians, through to um, sports. sports people. Um, you know, even as as mothers, we're role models. As businesswomen, we're role models. As authors, we're role models. As friends, we're role models. Mm. You know, oh, you, yeah. if you look at it that way, where you know everybody is a role model in some way. So let's be good role models. And I, I actually believe that the awakening that's happening, as as you were saying, and I, and I look at my nineteen year old. Actually, I look at them all. They're stunning children. And they they are really Adults. really awakened mm. children. Mm. You know. Tania, my 19-year-old, she just is so different to the rest of the friends around. Mm. Uh, and, and you know what? She's a role model for them. Mm. They're more likely to go to her than they are to do what another friend might be doing, which is do way too much drinking or whatever. And Casey's the same. Brogan's the same. I, like, I just look at them all. Um, and Fran, you know, even my stepdaughter, she's become an amazing role model. So... Maybe that swell is happening, and maybe I'm, I've jumped to conclusions with what's happening out there. Oh, no, I think, I think, I don't think you possibly could have jumped to conclusions because I think what you've seen is a reality. Mm. I just, you know, I, I just, I, I guess I live in hope when I see that there's, there's contrast. Mm. There's contrast. There's those people who were doing the wrong thing and not taking responsibility for the mark that they leave. Yes. And there's no escaping that. And unfortunately, our media does support them. Mm. And that's the tragedy. Our media supports them. So that part, I reckon, that part is something that we as humans in our homes can actually take responsibility for. Stop watching the crap on the television. Stop buying the magazines and stop buying the newspaper articles. Stop doing it. And stop listening to radio and start listening to podcasts. Well, these Too people bloody are. right. These are the ones. We're, we've already got these beautiful listeners. Tell your friends, everybody. Go tell your friends. Tell everybody that you know. Because that's, that's well, that, actually, it's, it's, it's a really it's important so point. It's mm. so true. I don't turn my radio on anymore. Mm. I, I have 14 podcasts that I subscribe to. Yeah. And any, it just depends on what I feel like listening to. And I'll actually subscribe to Up for a Chat. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Sometimes I think I'm funny. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> but I, I, that's what I listen to. So I'll put that on in, or I'll, I'll do audiobooks. Mm. Uh, we don't turn the news on mm. because the news is one-sided. Absolutely. So I don't, unless something has happened in the world, someone will tell me if it's really important. Yeah. I've I figured out. I, yeah. I don't need to listen to that. And, and perhaps that's what we need to start doing. Is... Well, when you think about anything that doesn't work in society, the way that we're set up now, anything that doesn't work, it makes a difference when we hit it in the hip pocket. Yeah. yeah. I came to that conclusion when it was all about, and this, that's you know what I'm about to say is totally off topic, but it, my thing is about um, animal cruelty. So anything that has involved an animal that's been abused or taken advantage of, man, I'm telling you, I can post it on Facebook as much as I want to, I can get slammed as much as I want to on Facebook, and I actually couldn't care less about anybody that's got anything to say to me about you know, animal cruelty on Facebook or being a vegan. I couldn't, you know, it doesn't faze me. But it happens in the hip pocket so if I just do not buy those products, if I don't support anything that's hurt an animal, if I, and if that's the stuff that I put on Facebook, it hits them in the hip pocket, hip mm. pocket. and hopefully L'Oreal, Revlon, the works, all those companies, hopefully one day they're going to get the message that the way that they behave is unacceptable. Mm. Just on that subject, I heard that Woolies is going to stop um, using caged eggs. Mm. They're going to stop buying in caged eggs. And the farmers... 
are all up in arms about the fact that they are now going to lose money and it's going to cost them in terms of profits. And I was sitting in the car the other day listening to this and I thought, well, sucked in. Yeah. <laughs> sucked in. It's about time humans start to realize that they cannot abuse animals to make money mm-hmm. and have that be okay. Oh, very passionate moment there. Yeah, no. Back to role models. <laughs> no, but role models. You've just made a really another good point. It's and not change just, their damn practices. If it does, if, 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 if we can hit him in the hip pocket... That's where we get to make a change. Mm. Stop buying the bloody newspapers. Mm. Stop supporting the media hype and frenzy. Stop doing it. Mm. Start getting. Start putting your money and your power as individuals collectively. If we collectively get together, we put our power together, we can actually drive the media the way we want it as opposed to Rupert Murdoch driving the media and what we hear. Mm. One man drives the entire media as to what we hear and what we see and what we read. One man's behind Politically, it all. Absolutely. Health. Um, you know, mining, business, everything. You know, it's, and, it's and let really... me tell you, people are corrupt. Yeah. I'm not saying he is, I don't know, I have no idea, but humanity is corrupt. Yeah. So if there's money in it, we're going to go for it. Well, that's a scary thing, but I think you've brought up another point. It's not just sportsmen, um, um, parents, actors, politicians, parents, models. But you've just brought up farmers, mm. um, our teachers. You know, if they're out there our and they're not producing our food producers, our manufacturers, everybody, we are all in a position to be a role model and to make a difference. And I'm with you wholeheartedly on the animal thing. It's just, it's about time these little creatures had a voice. And the way we're going to do that, like you say, is not buying those bloody products. And, and it's highly likely that I might have a few more passionate moments on the podcast <laughs> in order to give these little kids our mess, a, a voice. Yes. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> is our time up? Our time is up. But one thing, but one thing to finish on, perhaps, is you know we might have made mistakes in the past. We might not be the best role model at certain times, or we might do things that perhaps aren't the best that we would like to to be in that moment. You know what? Pick yourself up. Dust off and say, I wasn't a good role model up until now. At this moment on, I'm going to be like this. Or I wasn't a great in relationships before, up until now. I used to smack my child when I was angry telling him <laughs> off um, up until that point. Or throw them on the bed. Or throw them on the bed. Um, See, I've never done either of those things. <laughs> Do the that dogs? Makes, that makes, no, never. That makes me a golden child. Golden child. But what has she done? Mm. <laughs> Maybe that's another podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> Let us not go there, please. Mm. So, yeah, so just don't beat ourselves up, but be the best we can be. And be. Mm. remember, we're all being watched from younger ones, older ones, fellow people, everybody. We all have to take greater responsibility. And your point is so perfect because that's the beautiful part about life is that every moment that arrives, it's a moment that allows you to choose again. So if we got it wrong in the last moment, get it right in the next. But awareness is everything. So if we're aware, and like you say, everybody's watching us. So if we're aware of that and we didn't do the best in that moment, life gives us another moment to try again. And another moment and another moment. And here's another moment. (laughs) Our next podcast will be another moment where you can join us. (laughs) So that brings us to the end of our role model podcast. Hope you've had fun with us. Go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. And you know what? We want to hear who was your greatest role model. Who taught you the most about living, about parenting? Where did you get your 
what you know today, where did you get it from? Nice. We nice. really want yeah. to hear about that yeah. because every person's different and everybody's got different experiences to tell tales around. Where did you, where did you learn to be you? Post that on our Facebook page and tell all your friends to like our Facebook page. <laughs> Role model that. Role and, and to download us and to like us on iTunes. What else do we need? Uh, yeah, <laughs> We're like not needy people at all. No, not no, much. No, no. Not much. <laughs> not and by much. the time this gets to ear, who knows what number we might be. Well, last week we were number 24 in the US and number 3 in Australia. I'm going for number 1 across the globe. <laughs> Leap of faith. I Let's love it. I yeah. think we can. I think that there's enough people who are listening to these podcasts, and I know how much love there is that comes from us to you, and how much love there is that goes from you to us. We know, we feel it. And I know that there's enough people that listen to this podcast that if everybody told five people, if everybody became a role model for five people in their world, imagine what we could create. Imagine the groundswell. Mm. Stop it. We could take over the world. Shut the front door. <laughs> we could run the media things. We could stop the caged animal problems. We could do this. We could. We could stop the drug companies and the food companies. Oh, and Monsanto. Look at what becomes possible. Exactly. If we all, here we go, if we all just look at how we can influence five people around us, just pick five people today. Be role models for five people. And be a role model yeah. for five people. And part of that is getting them to like us on Facebook, like <laughs> us on iTunes and download the podcasts. All part of the program, people. Let's get on it. But if we could all influence five people, imagine what would become possible because those five people would then influence five people. And those five people would influence five. Imagine how quick the ripple effect would move. Stop it. <laughs> Actually, no, don't stop it. Just shut the front door. <laughs> no, open it. Open it. Open it. Open it. Okay, so we've got new words. Yep. Instead of shut the front door, it's going to be open the front door. <laughs> Anyway, I'm rambling. <laughs> this oh, really? <laughs> what did you notice? What was your first clue? I don't know. It was such a serious podcast in the beginning, really. I, I was looking I at us going, oh my gosh, we're really serious. Well, we're back to normal. <laughs> yep, here we go. Here we and go. we're over time. <laughs> so join us here on Up for a Chat next week and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world five people at a time. Ready? Go. <laughs> we'll see you on the ride. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.